The NAESP Principal Podcast is sponsored by the National Association of Elementary School Principals, supporting our nation's leaders from preschool through eighth grade. Whether you're looking to develop your professional learning network, extra liability coverage at a fraction of the cost, or you want to level up your professional development, NAESP has you covered. All right. Hello, principals, and welcome to the NAESP Principal Podcast. My name is Rachel George. I'm an elementary principal in Oregon and an NAESP fellow. And what's up, everybody? My name is Adam Welcome. I'm an elementary principal in California and a fellow with NAESP in the Innovation Center with my buddy, Rachel. Whoop, whoop. So Adam and I, again, are just so excited to bring you the NAESP podcast so we can literally talk about real ideas with some incredible principles, which we have one on today, and also to help make your leadership stronger and more innovative. Yeah, and I think this topic is, is so relevant all the time, but especially this time of year, as we're kind of wrapping up the year and summer. And I would say, first off, just Rachel, shout out to you. Rachel George, that name has become just a part of my household. I mean, my family says, you know, how's Rachel? Because they they know that Adam and Rachel, Rachel and Adam do the podcast. We do the Innovative Principal Circle with NAESP. And I think when your learning can get that connected and they know your husband, John, like how's John? Uh, and we know about personal things in our lives. When you can get that closely connected with somebody else from a professional standpoint and then to a personal standpoint, that really shows that that is somebody that you learn from. So my friend, thank you for being my partner in learning. Oh, thank you. You have taught me so many things and I appreciate that you answer my call when I do. And it's just a mess. <laughs> like, what do I do with this? I don't know up from down. How do I navigate through these different steps? So thank you. Thank you. You know, just what, two days ago, you were on a speakerphone conversation with John and I. So Yes, it goes both ways, man. Yeah, yeah, for sure. For sure. So talking about learning and summer learning and books and who do you learn from and just kind of that whole that whole mix. Uh, where, oh, let's just it. start. Let's start at 30,000 feet and maybe just kind of and then try to get to the uh, get to the runway. So what are you thinking? Like, who do you learn mm -hmm. from? Where do you learn books? Let's just kind of let, let, let's just dive in, Rachel. I love it. And this is probably one of my like all time favorite topics. And you can tell because in my building budget, I just throw a lot of money at learning for me and for my staff and for everybody. It's just a huge priority in my life. Okay. So top three go, go to's. Um, I love conferences, love, love, love them. And you know, when COVID hit and everything shifted to virtual, I got to tell you, I was like a kid in a candy shop because they were all like half price or so much cheaper, except for a couple few ones, which I did not sign up for. So I was super stoked to be able to like double down on attending virtual conferences. Had to have movement breaks though, because that was a long time to sit. Um, second one, Twitter, 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 Twitter. That has been my go-to strategy for at least over the last seven years, when I shifted from the secondary level, and I talk about this in my book, it was a huge game changer of being able to follow and see what other principals across the nation were doing. And so just being able to see that practical application of everything, it was just phenomenal. Third one is I am a sucker for books. Like John had to put me on a book budget because <laughs> they kept showing up on my porch and I would get the look, like the principal look, only it was directed to me. Because if you didn't know, my husband is a middle school principal. 
talk about being on the job at all times and talking about education 24 hours. And, you know, here's the interesting thing, Adam, I don't know about you, but I love to read education books, but I have branched out to books that aren't even connected, but I love to read nonfiction. I like to post about them. And it's funny because my teachers have picked up on that as well. They were like, I think I was in a classroom the other day and they were like working on some nonfiction skills and strategies. And they used me as an example. And I'm like, dude, I didn't always like nonfiction books. I used to like fiction, but you know, as you're growing your practice, you're always looking for different ways to level up and books have been a great go-to for me. What are, what are your top three? So I am. Um, yeah. Uh, I'm going to ask you some follow-up questions on those, but my top three ways to learn is, is the people that I've built deep relationships with over the years. And I met those people first and foremost on Twitter because uh, not everybody is in a small enough ecosystem that I can learn from them by driving or having a coffee in person. And then really it's it was it was Twitter and then it was Voxer and then now it's via via a phone call or via a text message. And I'll tell you, like when I'm on my drive to work, I call other educational friends from around the country to check in. And if I don't get them, then I'll go right to Voxer and I'll leave them a Voxer message and say, yo, what's up? Just calling to say, hey, check in. How are things? And it's sometimes just a check-in, but it's also like, hey, what are you doing for this? And how did you handle that? And hey, I have this going on and I know you have more experience and exposure to it than I do. So what what's your go-to for that? And I think for me, it's kind of been, Twitter has been, it's kind of like the match.com. It's like the, it's the first date and then Voxer or a phone call is like the second and third date. And then we just go deeper and deeper and deeper with our learning relationship. And then of course it is, it's books. And um, I, I hope that my wife and your husband don't connect on the side about our book habits because my wife, you know, I'll, I'll sometimes have books sent to my office um, or, you know, I'll like, I'll like break down the books, the cardboard and put it in the recycling bin. And um, I'm going to, I'm going to drop a book that I really liked. And then I'm going to ask you the same question. So I'm a huge reader of non-educational books and a book I recommend it's called the third door and it's by Alex Banian. And to summarize it, this guy was in college at USC university of Southern California, and he was just not into college. And he, I think he's, his parents are from Iran. So he was an immigrant and it's like, you gotta be a doctor or a pharmacist or like a, a lawyer. He was a lot of pressure to do really well in school and to get like more of a corporate job. And he just wasn't, he wasn't into it. So he actually, he wanted to do something different. So he figured out how to hack the Price is Right, how to get on the show, to get on the stage. He figured it out. He skipped his final. He went on, he won, he won merchandise worth like 40 or $50,000, won it, sold it, and then spent two or three years traveling and interviewing people because his goal was to interview and talk to successful people that went through the third door where, well, where, where like the first door is you come up through the ranks or maybe, you know, people and you went to the right college. Then there's like the second door. He wanted to, his door was 
going through the back, going through the kitchen door to come in another way. And I've read that book multiple times and there are only a handful of books that I've read multiple times in my life, but one of the great books that I love. And I've actually tweeted Alex on Twitter. He writes back, he's super engaged on his social media. So that's, those are my steps of learning. And I would say the fourth one is obviously conferences. And if you're not signed up to go to the NASP conference this summer in Chicago, you have to sign up. It's where Todd Nestaloni and I connected in person and started Kids Deserve It. And I'm even, I'm even thinking about getting even more on like a micro scale. I'm thinking about hosting like a 10 or 15 person conference this summer in my backyard. Um, I haven't told my wife yet. It's kind of like that book habit. But um, Rachel, obviously you're invited. But uh, more details coming soon, maybe Adam's conference in his backyard. So what's the book that you recommend, Rachel? I want to know. I'm curious. So I'll tell you the two that I'm in right now. Um, So the first one is Tightrope, Americans Reaching for Hope. And it was actually written by an author out of Oregon. I don't think that they live in Oregon anymore, but they have roots in Yamhill County, which is wine country, but it focuses on generational poverty. It references some other locations throughout the U.S. and it talks about the challenges that they've faced from year after year. And it actually, it's not political. It's actually pretty neutral. It presents both sides, but it talks about how it's super, super challenging. And we're also like not as well off right now as what we thought. And so how almost like my parents' generation were like doing amazing things and a lot of the jobs have disappeared, a lot of the challenges in terms of how our healthcare system is, um, obesity, drug abuse, alcoholism, all of those things. And you know, the author uses the example that he rode, and I can't remember the number of the bus, but he rode to school every day on this one bus. And out of all of the kids that were on that bus, you know, and Adam, he's probably like our age or so, um, they're almost all dead. They're almost all dead or in prison just from some of the challenges that they've faced. And I can read this book about a chapter or two at a time, and it's such heavy stuff that I have to set it down. But then I pick it back up because this is reality. And a lot of the schools that I've worked in have heavily been like seeped in generational poverty. And so I think you really need to understand it in order to be able to really help get at the root and to be able to fix it. So that book was actually recommended by my friend, Maya Lise Tolan, who pushes me to read a lot. I just love her to death. She recommended the book, actually bought the book when I was in Lincoln County, Lincoln City specifically, at her favorite bookshop, Bob's Books. Um, Fantastic, fantastic read. The second one, and dude, don't judge me. And when I say that and put the disclaimer, you know, judgment's going to come. I'm thinking um, like People Magazine, Us <laughs> Weekly kind of, what is it, Rachel? Ooh, it's kind of close. <laughs> I totally got made fun of at, at the bookstore when I bought it last week. So I went to my favorite bookstore in Ashland, um, was stoked that they were open. And I bought one, one book was like legit. It's Women History Month or Women Appreciation Month or you know, women, women just are awesome month. And that's totally my jam. I get it. So I bought a book on um, women cracking the code and it was around um, women's involvement with like world war II and code breaking, super excited. But then guess what caught my eye? Matthew McConaughey's book, Green Light. Oh yeah. Maybe it's because he's cute. I don't no. know. I'm super fascinated. I've been laughing and it's great perspective. So don't no, I'm not laughing. I heard a podcast with him where he talked about his book. I think it was the rich roll podcast when he talked about his book, the green light. And I haven't read it, 
but just super awesome. He's like a Renaissance guy. Yes. I like, I love his vibe. I love his story of how he grew up, where he grew up and what he's done with his life. So no laughing. I was going towards like people, my, my wife brings people magazine home from her, her <laughs> medical office. And I'm like, honey, she goes, it's my guilty pleasure. I'm like, okay, okay. There you, go. you know, just kind of, kind of that. That's funny. So awesome. Well, I'm glad you, um, <laughs> Yeah, that's been a, good. It's yeah. been good. I, it's really insightful. And I had no clue that he went through some of those different things. Definitely pieces that you can relate to. Yeah. A hundred percent, a hundred percent. So, uh, you know, there's been a saying that I've said, I've said for a while that I think if you're, if you're not on Twitter, I don't know where you're learning from every single day. And some people take it the wrong way. Like, why should I be learning every single day? And I think, you know, when I say that, it's it's those small incremental learning opportunities that you can get from one person or a Twitter chat or a hashtag or something, you know, what that I'll do is I'll go to Twitter and I'll just type in high school principal because I'm an elementary principal and I'll type in high school principal and I'll click on people. And then it shows everybody on Twitter that has high school principal in their bio. And I'll go and follow 10 principals that I don't know. And they always don't follow me back because everybody has a different threshold with their social media, how engaged they are. But how do you find new people to learn from? I mean, because you're a connected educator. You also live in the woods. You're somewhat rural. You're, I feel like your power goes out every other week, Rachel, like you're in a hotel trying to get Wi-Fi just because, you know, you're, you're not in like a city, but how do you find new people to learn from? Because I think having that core is important. I've had my core for a long time, but how do you broaden that to find people that maybe have expertise in an area that you don't, or that I don't have? I'm curious about that. Good question. And you're right. My power this last year has been nuts. And we do go to a hotel every time our power is out, typically on the beach, because it's just pretty. Uh, but how do I connect with folks on Twitter? And how do I build that network? So I, I'm really specific about who I follow. And if they're not an educator, I'm, I'm not following them unless they're an author and a writer and a thought leader that's going to push me. And so I always am looking at those bios to figure out what level they were or are. And I have more specifically focused at elementary over the last seven years. While I was at the middle school, obviously, I wanted to know from middle school peeps. I love your idea, though, about grabbing high school when you're at the elementary just to get that other lens and perspective. That's really good. Um, I also cyberstock my authors, my author friends, and I want to know what they're doing. Like, I love the fact that Todd Whitaker is on Twitter and you can interact with them. Like, I think that was probably the biggest epiphany for me when I got onto Twitter because I loved reading so much that the authors are on there and they interact with you and you don't have to wait for a conference or just to be ghosted. Like they want to interact and they want to share and help you. And I think that that's been, been my favorite. I'd also add, don't be scared to reach out and interact. DM them, add them, tag them. You know, just, I think sometimes we just get scared to actually do something, to put content out or to ask a question or ask for help. 
and you learn when you engage, right? Like you get in what you put out. And so the more that you lean in, uh, better you'll do. My favorite, favorite story about this is my friend Kate Barker, who we wrote the book Principled with. When we, when she started, I think she had 119 followers on Twitter and she's like, Rachel, I don't, I don't get this, Rachel. I'm going to retire in a couple of years. I am an old dog. I'm like, girl, you are not, you are not old and you can learn new tricks. You are fantastic. And she just this last week, you know, has a thousand followers. And so she was so excited and she is tweeting consistently and tagging people and interacting and learning and growing her network. And you know what? I'm just so proud of her. She's doing a fantastic job. So anybody can do this. If you need help, you know, Adam and I are here. We can help you with that. But what you gain from it, there's no words for it. It's too amazing. Yeah, I think uh, people always say like, how did you get to where you are? And uh, I just started. I started with with one and then it went to five and then it went to a hundred. And then it just goes from there when you have those authentic interactions and you want to authentically build your build your circle and then your circle gets bigger and bigger and bigger and i think it's um i think it's really important and i would just say too which i spoke about a little bit before is is find new people to connect with because some people are are just not as connected and you can learn from from pretty much anyone, if you open up your mind and you read different books and you uh, reach out beyond your inner circle. And I think a lot of people keep their circles tight, which is important, but open the doors at times and go out and then let people in. Um, and uh, yeah, I'm excited to listen to our guest today that we have on the show to talk about their learning and where they learn from. Hello everyone. And today we are talking about learning and growing over the summer. Rachel, we have an awesome guest with us today from actually our Innovative Principal Circle, also known as the IPC, Efrain Martinez. Principal Martinez is the principal at Orozco Academy in Chicago. Efrain, welcome to the podcast. Hola, thank you for having me here. Awesome. So, hey, today we're diving into learning and growing over the summer. You know, this could be strategies for you, strategies for staff. What are your thoughts? We've been diving into this the last couple minutes. Man, uh, that's such an important uh, topic because the way I see it is like, how do the world best athletes prepare over when they are not competing, right? Like, if it has to be a habit of further developing yourself because it never stops. So uh, for the plan, for the summer, I have so many plans on, on how to uh, further develop my, um, uh, my thoughts and stuff like that. So the first thing that comes to mind is this. So I just finished this dissertation on emotional intelligence and school principles. And, uh, you know, as I, as I was writing the dissertation, I saw your book, Rachel, coming out, you know, and all these people that have been able to put in writing so we can support this profession because we need a lot of learn to learn from each other. And um, the more I kept, yes, you have got, <laughs> the, the more I have, it, I have it in my Kindle. It's just that uh, uh, I haven't even, you know, there's so many, but Rachel is coming. 
I love uh, it. Adam has his by, by his shoulder right now. <laughs> uh, the idea is that as I kept writing, I realized that in a way I, I was repeating myself and it reminded me a, a, lot, a lot of the books I have read. After reading the first few chapters, I realized that they keep repeating themselves. And then when I was finishing my dissertation, I said, you know what? Maybe I cannot write a brand new original book, but I can make a very good article that, that will go through the five steps of emotional intelligence. So this summer, the main work is to convert that. And of course, that's going to be my training for the fall. So I can be on the top of my performance. Yeah, well, congrats on the dissertation. Um, oh my gosh, I, you know we've talked about that before, Rachel, because you have your uh, doctorate, Dr. Mm -hmm. Rachel George, um, and gosh, what and uh, what an undertaking. What are your what are your thoughts and strategies for maybe students um, learning over the summer? I can remember way back when, when I was a teacher, I used to create a Google slideshow of all these different activities and learning extensions. And that's something actually that's even more kind of in conversation right now with like learning loss or extending the learning, obviously because of virtual and COVID and distance learning, but um, maybe, maybe separate of that. Do you have strategies that where you try to um, engage kids over the summer? Um, if it's in summer school or activities or anything of the sort what, what are your thoughts on that as a principal you know uh two things right like um the the area of what teachers can do to uh keep on top of their professional learning during the summer and, and if we involve children right so uh i'm gonna address the first one which is very important one thing i have learned is that whatever you write down materializes so often we and this was me for years um, I will say in the summer, I want to do project A, B, and C, and I will tell everyone and their mother about it. But then it was always uh, like a dread, like to start, and I will never end up my project. So I will leave them half because I did not properly plan the learning. So uh, what I learned from Steve Jobs in one of his speeches is that life only makes sense when you connect the dots at the end. So knowing that, what I do is I put the big project in a to-do list or any to-do list uh, or your journal. And I say, for example, article uh, for, I don't know, ASCD or something like that. And then I deconstruct everything that I have to do. And I call that set the stage. And I do, I cut the whole thing so small that is so achievable. Like one day, set, uh, put this tweet, I use Twitter as a learning tool, uh, put that, and that gets me closer to my goal. So that's one thing I recommend. If you write it down, you will do it. Number two, with the students, you know, in Chicago, I have never had the opportunity uh, to have my own students, uh, but we usually have uh, summer school students, meaning that they come from from different parts of the city. So I have never implemented any learning. Like, I mean, to be completely honest, I probably have ignored um, the social emotional learning of my summer school students. And I have just seen them in a way transactional. And it's not to feel embarrassed or bad, but I never thought about it until you asked for it. So honestly, if this summer I have those students, I will make sure that I pay them the same, um, 
mindful attention and take to my students as well. I so appreciate your honesty and transparency with that. Thank you. And I think that you're not alone. As people listen to this podcast, I think they might find themselves in that same position. Maybe they haven't had any summer school before, or maybe if they've hosted it, they farmed it out, all the responsibilities to another administrator or a teacher leader, and they really haven't done it justice. And I think that maybe, just maybe, this might be the perfect opportunity to be able to rethink and re-image that for sure, whether you've had the experience or not, because at least in Oregon, we have a ton of money coming from the state to really help leverage summer learning experiences. So we're pretty, we're pretty excited. Adam, what'd you think about that writing it down for, for your actions? Well, I'm a huge proponent of writing things down and, uh, you know, I would micro that also write it down as briefly as you can. And I'm a huge post-it note fan. If your idea and that plan does not fit on a post-it note, it's probably too complicated, which means it's probably not going to happen. The smaller, the shorter, the easier it is, the more mobile it is. If you, cause you can move a post-it post-it note around your life. Um, keep it brief, keep it short, keep it actionable and um, don't have a list of 25 things that you want to achieve over the summer because it's not going to happen two or three or five at the very most and uh, and see what you can happen. Yeah. You know, yeah. Adam, uh, it reminds me of, you know, uh, the GTD philosophy of David Allen, right? Um, we, we make this list and we put, for example, dog. And what exactly about the dog? Right, like it said that you're gonna, the dog is gonna have surgery. You're gonna purchase a, a or adopt a dog. Like you have to tell your brain so detailed information because David Allen says our brains are fantastic to generate ideas, but terrible to keep them. No, very true. So I am super curious. Um, about what your thoughts are in regards to taking some time off over the summer to kind of heal and recoup and self-care because many administrators, right? We're now on the one-year mark of COVID. Many folks didn't have a spring break because this happened right at the beginning. They were gangbusters during summer doing all the planning and probably winter break was just a hot mess. So how do we balance the two? Continuing your learning and also taking care of yourself. What are your thoughts? Thank you uh, for asking that question. Such an important because uh, there's two phases in my life. I used to think something and now I used to think, I, I think something different. So I used to think that in the summer, my self deserved to unplug from anything that had to do with what I consider work and including my diet and including my health. I will not exercise or overeat. Uh, and do things that 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 I was I will tell myself I'm on vacation, you know. And then I read something as I was doing my research, and I was like, uh, "There's this guy called Robin Sharma, and he says, you know, if you have a habit, a routine, like for example, I'm runs every day, and you in the weekend says, mm, in the weekend I'm just gonna." Um, put all this weight on my body and all these um, diseases and all this, I'm just gonna bring them to my body because I'm on vacation. He says, that's not vacation. So uh, what I have learned is that what we must do is that instead of separate work and, 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 and life and have that balance, 
there's no such a thing as that balance, right? It's just uh, your performance. Sometimes the curtain opens and sometimes the curtain closes, but you keep working, right? Uh, you work in front of your, um, your students, the people that you serve, and you have to be in the zone, right? Like Eduardo Briseño says, that's the performance zone, but you need to spend equitable time in the learning zone. So what I will say to any principal or school leader is absolutely mental health, taking your time, doing what you need is absolutely necessary, but that does not involve damaging your own rates. It's like telling Michael Jordan when he switched to baseball that in the weekends he was okay to go and do. No, he had to be practicing behind the scenes all the time, or, or like Michael Phelps, any athlete, because in the moment when you're in the zone, you have to be in flow. In order to be that, you have to be fully informed. You have to feel good about yourself, what you're doing with your soul set, right? Like your spirituality, that you are good with yourself, with your actions, your mindset, right? Like this job is like an emergency doctor. You don't know what's coming through those doors. So you have to be in your best mindset and knowing that you are there to serve, not to expect and hope today, there's no issues. Then also your health set, right? I used to ignore completely. Oh, I'm, I'm, I'm so busy. I don't have to care about. And then I realized that it was like Michael Phelps holding his one hand, only swimming with one. So I embedded that into what I do. I uh, implement the smoothies um, uh, with uh, protein smoothies too. And that really rejuvenated my life and uh, gave me back enthusiasm. When I was able to connect all of them, I realized that there's no such a thing as a balance. It's just that you have to be able to carry the load and making it seem while feeling that it, there's no nothing to carry. I love your analogies. You're an emergency room doctor. You're blending smoothies in the Vitamix. I think you should uh, get like the local hospital and Vitamix to like sponsor your school to get some donations or something. I think that would be... That'd be super cool. So you're, you're name dropping all these people and uh, Bill Gates and all these other kind of thinkers and such. Who, who do you learn from in the education space? I mean, before we went on the air, we were talking, Efrain, you and I have been connected on Twitter for years and years and years, um, you know, learning from each other uh, from a distance. But who are those people in the education space, and maybe they're in your district in Chicago, or maybe they're all over the world. Who are those people? Um, let's name drop some people so other people can learn who you learn from. Okay, so I'm gonna start in this order. The first Twitter person that got me going was uh, Eric Scheninger when he said, you need to be the storyteller of your school. Like that was the first time because when I started as a principal, I had all these problems and my name was in the media for negative stuff. And I realized that I wasn't telling the story of the children, of the faculty, uh, and making them feel like, yes, this is what we do. And I became the storyteller in chief thanks to that tweet. Um, I feel that the, the, I have to mention the CIL group. And, and you know, uh, so for those that don't know, um, Rachel and Adam and, and this guy, Andy, lead this uh, professional learning group called the CIL. 
And you have people from all over the United States, one guy that is from uh, uh, Barcelona at this point. And we are learning all this from each other. And I feel that if the principle should be, has become, it was before the pandemic, an isolated uh, profession, everybody tweeting on their own and we like each other, but we don't really go into the learning. And these groups facilitate People becoming humanized and saying, oh, you're human just like me. It's okay if I say I didn't think about the students that day or uh, that. And in the previous um, one, um, there's a guy called Chad. I have to learn his last name, but he mentions that he wants to make a podcast with his son. You know, I'm a, I'm a father and immediately thinking, wow, what a great idea. But then he says with students, and I become all this legal, no, but there's all these policies and stuff like that and yada, yada. But as he keeps talking and the other people start throwing ideas and you guys too, like empowering the voice of the student, like if I'm gonna be a principal, I have to advocate for that. So I just came to my team and guess what? My team was thinking about developing like a creative studio with 3D printing, coding, podcasting, all this stuff on their own. But it never occurred to me until I had this meeting with you. And if I didn't open my mouth, they would have never told me. So all these things came together. And and I'm, I have to thank the CIL and your group because if you guys didn't open up my thinking that at the beginning was nah, naysayer, that cannot happen. Now it's coming into fruition. Even the board entertained the idea. So we are pumped and so thankful from the learning. So where do I learn from in terms of academics, uh, education? It has to be Twitter. Like, oh my gosh, like I have received so many leads on where to go and how to think outside because Chicago is huge, a huge microcosm, but everybody knows each other. And everybody knows, we know the same books, we know the same tricks. And opening up for uh, people from all over, it has really expanded my thinking. I love it, love it, love it, love it. Um, whoop whoop, huge shout out to the IPC, the Innovative Principal Circle, under the umbrella of the Center for Innovative Leadership with NAESPCIL. You know, we do have the inaugural class going on. It's gonna end in, what Adam, like, June or July, like summer months, and we will be kicking off round two. So if you missed it, there is time and an opportunity for you to hop in on the second round. All right. So our final question, um, you've dropped so many fantastic names and some of them are new for me. And I got to tell you, they're outside of education. And that has been a shift in my learning over the last handful of years is that instead of just being really narrow with like high performing schools or teacher leadership or how to be the best principal ever, um, I really looked to the business sector and to just general leadership books and just outside of education. So what are some of your go-to book recommendations? I can tell that you've read a lot. You're in the know. So top three books, what would you say? Okay. So I feel that any principal should read um, Plato's, the the uh, Plato's Cape is, 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 a, is a old, um, uh, philosophical text that talks about how us as human beings, sometimes we see things and we believe things and we have all these fears that are not real and we have to convince ourselves to uh, realize that we are the authors of our own story. So that's number one. 
Uh, number two, uh, I believe uh, the 5 a.m. club by Robin Sharma. Uh, it's about elevating your life. It's about uh, this thing of merging all that you do so you can uh, live a, um, you can create your 16th chapel while keeping your marriage and your life happy, right? Like what, I, what, I, what isn't that what everybody is looking for? I think the United States, when they tell us pursuit of happiness, it's such a, it's such a, a thing that we need to challenge because then it, it puts, your happiness somewhere there that you're gonna reach at some point in your life while happiness is really inside of you. And uh, finally, uh, um, Dare to Lead by Brene Brown. I think uh, the part that really stuck with me forever and ever is that uh, when you realize that you are the author of your own story, you realize then that you can write the ending so you cannot just write it down, write down what you want to do and you will see it materialize. You know, Brene Brown, that book, Dare to Lead, has been on my nightstand for over 18 months and I haven't read it yet. And I've had so many people recommend that book and you just you just name dropped it again. I, I keep putting it to the top and then other books come into my life. And I'm, I'm reading, I don't know about you, Ephraim, but I, I'm the person that reads like five or six books at a time. Um, I kind of have that scatterbrain uh, book because I love to read so many books. Ephraim, if people want to connect with you after listening to this podcast, what is the best way for them to learn from you and to connect with you? So I try to uh, model that when you do good things, good things happen via my Twitter. So it's, um, E Martinez EDD. Uh, from there, you can get access to my podcast, uh, Wisdom and Productivity, where, uh, by the way, it was uh, my first episode. I thank you guys because I will always be, I, I never thought I would be there, but you guys keep pushing the, the challenge and I'm already in my 16th episode. And it's such a, you know, I like to tweet the quotes and the learning that I do because I get to repeat it in my mind as I write it. I'm an English learner, so I have to check the spelling and, and, and I get to uh, select a great GIF that goes, that is funny and it goes with the thing and I just memorize it. And it's, it's not cumbersome like when I was in school where I had all these notes and I will memorize and I will never remember them. Uh, so yeah, I think that um, that is, um, uh, those are my thoughts on that. Awesome. Ephraim, thank you for talking with us today about learning over the summer, which is, you know, really, Rachel, just great learning ideas for all the time, not just for the summer. But this, uh, this podcast is coming out at a timely point when uh, summer is upon us. And hopefully we're rounding the corner with COVID and conferences opening back up and schools coming back to uh, more of what we, uh, what we have expected. So Ephraim, Rachel, NESP, thank you so much, everyone, and uh, have an amazing day. The NAESP Principal Podcast is sponsored by the National Association of Elementary School Principals, supporting our nation's leaders from preschool through eighth grade. Andy Jacks here, Senior Fellow for NAESP Centers for Advancing Leadership. Whether you are looking to develop your professional learning network, extra liability coverage at a fraction of the cost, or you want to level up your professional development, NAESP has you covered. Mm -hmm.